0: Hey, welcome. It's so good to have you with us today, wherever you're watching from in England or around the world. Um, My name's Andy Elms, and I'm the lead pastor of Family Church, and we're just really, really excited that you've joined us together for online church today. And uh, in our series that we're on, on the Holy Spirit, we're back um, talking about the Holy Spirit today and how he now lives in us and what we can expect from his presence now within us this is week four of our series on turning the power of the holy spirit on in your life and if you've missed any of the previous ones the good news is that you can go back and watch any of them on our youtube channel FC Live, or on our website family.church now we finished last week with the understanding that the holy spirit the one sent from heaven The spirit of the living God, the same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead, is now alive in us. And we have the privilege to now host his presence. And we began to dig into that a little bit last week. What is it to host the presence of God, to know the presence of God within us? Now, for me, it starts with us acknowledging the Holy Spirit within us. And we shared a little bit on that last week in our series now, what is it to acknowledge for presence of God? Now, we need to understand when it comes to the presence of God, there's different terminology that we would use in church for the presence of God. I was actually sharing this with the, uh, the crew and the worship team just before our meeting this morning. That we understand the omnipresence of God. That means that God is everywhere. There's nowhere that God isn't. He's in all things. He's at all things. He's equally powerful in every place where he is. But then we also understand the manifest presence of God. That's where God makes his presence known and when we're meeting sometimes we go oh the presence of God what are we meaning by that now we know that the omnipresence means that God is continually present everywhere in his power and his might equally powerful in every place in every moment but what we mean by the manifest presence of God is that's the moment God because of worship or praise is making his presence known in a very real and significant way But we also believe in the indwelling presence of God, the inner presence of God. And that's what we're speaking of in this series. We're not so much speaking of the omnipresence of God or the manifest presence of God when God makes himself known in a meeting or in a time when we're praying or worshipping together or even alone in our rooms. But we're speaking of the inner presence of God, the indwelling presence of God, that the Holy Spirit comes to live in the life of a believer. And he always comes with a purpose. Whenever you speak about the Holy Spirit, remember in the book of Acts, when we said you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you or within you, it then says, and you will be. There's always a purpose to the Holy Spirit coming um, in our midst or living within our lives. So we're going to dig in a little bit this morning on what the purpose of the Holy Spirit in our life is. Another way of putting this, like we said last week, is our lives have now become his temples or his postcodes. And we can have, because of the indwelling of God or the inner presence of God within our lives, an ongoing, unbroken fellowship with the Holy Spirit. That's an amazing thought. Again, that's a mic drop moment but we're not speaking of the omnipresence of God today. We're not talking about the manifest presence of God. We're talking about the inner presence of God, the indwelling of God's spirit in the life of a believer, which means that we can, if we desire it, have an ongoing, unbroken fellowship. With the Holy Spirit. Now, what do I mean by fellowship? Because fellowship can be one of those church words, can't it? What do you actually mean by fellowship? Maybe you heard fellowship in uh, the Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, and you said, I don't really understand that word, Andy. Well, let's look at that word fellowship so that we can live in the good of what God's provided for us with the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Maybe fellowship to you is something that we ask you to do after church when we're meeting together, which we will be again soon, hopefully, before too long. But we often say, why don't you stay behind after church for some fellowship? And when we speak about fellowship, especially in the United Kingdom way of thinking, not so much in the Philippines or Asia or Africa, they're very different in their understanding of fellowship. They have a better understanding than us in the United Kingdom. Because in the United Kingdom, when you say to somebody, would you like some fellowship? Would you like like to stick around for some fellowship? it normally means spending 30 minutes drinking a cup of coffee after the meeting and then you leave and get on with your life but that's not what God means when he says that we can now enjoy an unbroken fellowship or communion with the Holy Spirit now Here's a verse that speaks of the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And maybe you've heard this at the end of a meeting. The pastors ended the service with this blessing type statement. And it's in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. We've probably all heard this at least once in our lives. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the unmerited favour of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, the steadfast love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That's a wonderful blessing to give at any time, not just the end of a meeting. May the incredible unmerited grace, undeserved favour of Jesus Christ, the steadfast love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Sometimes other translations use the word communion instead of fellowship. So what is fellowship or communion according to God's opinion of it? To us in the Western world, it's a cup of coffee after church, but God, it's something much richer so so much more powerful it means that there's an ongoing communion or walking with somebody and this is where we want to embrace this understanding today that God has placed his spirit now in us and says that we can have an ongoing walk with the Holy Spirit not on Sunday in meetings but in our daily lives wow what an incredible thought that the Holy Spirit now is wanting to walk with us daily in our everyday lives see the meaning of fellowship if you look at the word in its original context it means shared life when we speak of fellowship it's not a cup of coffee after church the word fellowship actually means shared life or the sharing of life with so that when we read those verses in corinthians what the blessing of the lord is that is that we can now know a shared life or the sharing of life with the Holy Spirit, as well as the grace of Jesus and the incredible steadfast love of God. We get to draw upon him and we get to draw upon his ability, his power that's turned on in our lives when we understand he is now within us. That's incredible. But what does that look like in a believer's life? That's what we're going to look at this morning. How does having the Holy Spirit walking with you benefit you in your life tomorrow morning tuesday wednesday throughout this coming week let's start by looking at some of the things that the holy spirit is likened to in the word of god now there's many other things in the word of god that the holy spirit is likened to so um, please don't send me emails going you miss some i'm conscious of that i'm just zooming in on four specific things that the holy spirit is likened to in scripture conscious that there's others as well Number one, the Bible likens him to a dove, which means he represents the peace of God that we can know in our daily lives. Like the Bible says, a peace that passes all understanding. Also, the Bible likens him to fire. So as well as being a dove, he can be like fire with its refining capabilities. He helps us to burn away in our lives the things that we really no longer need. Also, the Holy Spirit is likened in the Bible to oil which would be symbolic of power. And you can have a lamp, but if you haven't got oil, you've got a lamp that is useless. We've got the Holy Spirit in us and he's likened to oil, which is a type of power, also anointing in the Old Testament. Whenever there was an anointing, there was always oil involved. And the Lord wants us to understand, we have now been anointed with the greatest oil, his spirit in our daily lives, so that we can shine and do things for him, that we couldn't in our own strength. And the final one I want to highlight today in types of the Holy Spirit is wind. And it speaks of in the upper room that he came like, like, not as, like a mighty rushing wind. And to me, wind is all about movement. It's about keeping things fresh and keeping them moving in a correct. If you imagine a sailboat catching the wind and soaring across the oceans, the Holy Spirit wants to be that wind within our lives on a daily basis. But when it comes to what he does and what he provides for us, again, I could give you a large list of um, things that the Holy Spirit does, provides, makes available in his role of living within us with fellowship now. But I've grabbed four. Again, please don't send me letters going, you missed out this one and this one. I'm conscious of that. Because of time, I've zoomed in specifically on four names that he's given regarding what we can expect as we walk daily with him. In our lives. The first one, if you're making notes, is the Bible reveals the Holy Spirit as our helper. So as we're walking in fellowship with the Holy Spirit each day, we can believe, enjoy, and experience divine help in our natural lives. John 14, we hear Jesus introduce the Holy Spirit very much in this way and in this context. In John 14, Verses 15 to 18, it says, This is Jesus speaking, If you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, do what I say. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide or remain with you forever. Unbroken fellowship, the sharing of life with. And then in verse 17, he says, The Spirit of Truth. He gives him the title, The Spirit of Truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you. And here's a key point again. And he will be in you. Not only does he dwell with us, but he remains in us. We have fellowship, a sharing of life with God's spirit now, residing and remaining in our lives. And then in verse 18, Jesus says, I will not leave you like orphans i will come to you and again jesus wasn't saying that he was going to physically come because he was seated at the right hand side of the father after his ascension he was referring to the coming not of another spirit but of his spirit we believe in the trinity god the father god the son god the holy spirit when jesus was seated at the right hand side of the father the father as he promised sent his spirit the third person of the godhead to not live with us but also in us now this word helper sometimes your your bible may say comforter but it means the same thing it's a greek word and it's pronounced parakletos parakletos paracletus, some would refer to it and that word means somebody summoned called to somebody's side to help them a person's aid um, in its in its uh, widest sense it means a helper, a securer, an aider and an assistant. Isn't that wonderful that Jesus said that he would send his spirit to us to live with us and be in us so that we could enjoy the sharing of life with the Holy Spirit Fellowship. And he comes to be someone who's summoned to our life, to walk alongside us, to give us aid, to help us, to give us assistance where it's needed. Now, one of the best examples of this is uh, if we had a chair. I'm going to use a glass for this analogy. And this has been used many times on teaching on this word paracletus. And it means one who comes along to assist. That as you attempt things that you couldn't do before, suddenly you'll be able to ad- now do them because of somebody assisting you. It's like imagine uh, if this glass of water was too heavy for me to move too heavy for me to move and I was struggling but then someone else came and gave me help and together we moved the glass that's the definition or what Jesus meant by the word helper comforter the Holy Spirit now living within us isn't going to just say sit back and I'm going to do everything but rather as we put our hand to something and maybe be unable to do it maybe that's forgiveness maybe that's a whole list of things. Suddenly we find within ourselves not weakness, but the ability to do what God is asking us to do because of the indwelling, not the manifestation, but the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit as a helper sent to our lives to assist us. I love this, that the plan of heaven was never to leave us, as Jesus said, as orphans. Now, again, looking at the Greek, that word orphan is the word Orphanus. Orphanus. And that's where we get the word orphan. Now, I love that Jesus was saying to us, listen, I'm going now, but I'm not going to leave you orphanus as an orphan. And what did he mean by that? Helpless, vulnerable, undefended, unable. Jesus was saying, no, no, no. You've known me walk with you with the spirit on me and remaining in me. But you're going to now know the spirit that was on me and remaining in me now upon you. I'm not leaving you helpless and vulnerable. So often when we think of a, an orphan, we can think of a child abandoned, left alone. Nobody defending them, nobody helping them. Jesus is saying, I'm not leaving you like that. I'm actually going to send my spirit when I've risen from the dead. When I've ascended, I'm sending the spirit that you've seen in me, my spirit upon you to be your helper. Isn't that encouraging? But again, each of the things that I'm speaking of today has got a key question attached to it. The Lord has sent the Holy Spirit now to live within us, to be a helper and an aid, to help us to forgive when we can't, to give us the strength to be when we don't find strength in ourselves. I love what Paul said about that. He said, when I am weak, then I am strong. Some people mistranslate that and say that Paul said, when I am weak, he is strong. It didn't say that. Paul said, when I am weak, then I am strong. And he was referring to a limitless ability that was now present in his life with the fellowship he had with the Holy Spirit. Remember, the same Holy Spirit that was in the Apostle Paul is now in you and me. So the key question is, are we drawing upon the help of the one who was sent to help? Some people are often easier to help than others, aren't they, in life? Some people you can say, can I give you a hand? And they say, oh, yes, please, please help me. Please come alongside me and help me to finish this thing I need to do. But other people can be a little bit more stubborn sometimes you say can i help you no no i don't need your help no i don't need your help that's what sometimes christians are like when it comes to the holy spirit the holy spirit's now within them and he's saying come on let me help you let me help you shift that glass let me help you do what god is asking you to do don't turn around and be prideful and say no 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 rather say holy spirit thank you i'll take all the help that you want to give me so again, we could spend a lot of time on each of these, but I want to move on to the next one. Firstly, the Holy Spirit is a, is a helper within our life. But secondly, Jesus introduces him as a teacher, as a teacher. Again, there's many, many more names and purposes of the Holy Spirit now living in us, but I'm zooming in just on four today, that are key ones for you to know in your life. He's our teacher. Let me read now from John 14, skipping a few verses further on. Verses 25 to 26, Jesus again speaking says, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper, the comforter, Paracletus, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. So he would bring back to remembrance the things that had physically been spoken to the disciples in the moment he walked physically with them. But how does that apply to us today? Well, in the same way, as we're living in the word, the Holy Spirit reminds us of the things that we've read that the Lord has taught us in moments that we need to be reminded. What a wonderful thought that the Holy Spirit comes to be the teacher within us, helping us to understand what we couldn't understand with our own ability or reasoning. He's a good teacher. He's not a bad teacher. He doesn't come to humiliate or mock, but rather to help you to understand what the Lord wants you to understand. Now, at school, I didn't actually do that real really well at school. And uh, um, I didn't kind of get a lot of the subjects that they were trying to teach me. But I had Good teachers, probably like you, and I had bad teachers. I could name them, but I'm not going to use this platform today to name and shame people. But rather, I can remember I had one teacher, and he just wasn't nice. He wasn't really um, gifted at helping people to understand. He would humiliate you. He would mock you. He would make you look like a fool in the middle of the classroom, and did with me. Um, I've forgiven him now. Don't worry. I'm all good. I'm whole in that area. But whenever I wanted to ask a question, I was scared to ask a question because I knew it would probably produce mockery or he would make me look small. But then in another class, I had another teacher and she was absolutely lovely. She was dedicated to helping her pupils understand. And I can remember sometimes they would put math. Math wasn't a strong subject for me. I don't think there was many strong subjects for me, to tell you the truth. But math I struggled with. And I would be sitting there looking at a math sum or something on paper and I'd be looking at it. I don't get it. I just don't get this. I just don't understand what this paper is asking me to conclude. Then all of a sudden this teacher would come over next to me and she would lean over my shoulder. And she would not change the paper, but go, Andy, you just need to put this here, this here and it equals this. And I would look at the paper and go, that's incredible. That's like magic. It's like somebody swapped the paper. I understand now. I get it. And she helped me to understand the things that were before me. The Holy Spirit wants to be that good teacher in your life. Never humiliate you. Never mock you. Never make you feel small. Rather, lean over your shoulder and help you to understand, especially the things written in the word of God many people settle for just reading the bible that won't change your life it's when you allow the holy spirit to enable you to see it revealed for what god's really saying so when we talk about the holy spirit being a teacher in our life number one he helps us to understand and conclude things that we're presently in in a fresh way sometimes i look at situations and i'm like I don't understand what I'm meant to be learning here, Lord. And as I pray, the Holy Spirit suddenly makes sense of real things that I'm going through. And I say, ah, I get it. I call it an oh yeah moment. The amount of times in math or other class lessons or lessons that I had in school, they must have heard me go, oh yeah, probably um, more times than could be numbered. I was constantly getting oh yeah moments when teachers were helping me to understand what was before me. You need to be having, oh, yeah, moments in life where the Holy Spirit suddenly leans into you and says, this is how you need to understand this. And all of a sudden you go, oh, yeah, I get it. God is working behind the scenes in all things. I get this. But another thing that the Holy Spirit wants to do is not just help you to understand the current things you're, 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 you're navigating in life, but also he wants to reveal things to you. Jesus said that very clearly. He, brought, he wants to bring you and me from one level of understanding that may be intellectual to a level of understanding that's beyond intellectual. It's revelationary. It's revealed knowledge. It's when you suddenly see things that others aren't seeing and you understand things that other people are not understanding. You see, the word of God is not a normal book. Yes, it has words printed on pages, But it's a living book. It has multiple layers. And the Lord wants to be using his spirit now present within you to help you to understand things that he's saying in his word that other people who just treat it like a book will never see. Now, in John 16, which is one chapter on, we see the Lord speak of this again further in verses 13 to 15. He says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. So he's listening. The Holy Spirit is listening to the conversation of the Father and the Son. And he's transmitting what's being said by God into our hearts and helping us to understand. Isn't that powerful? That's revelation knowledge. And he says, and he will tell you of things to come. There's a prophetic sound to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will reveal to you things that are to come and aren't yet currently present. He said he will glorify me. He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the father has are mine. Therefore, he will take what is mine and make declaration of it to you in your life. Now, I love what the uh, Passion Translation says of that. Just grabbing a couple of verses. It says, but when the truth giving spirit comes, he will unveil the reality of every truth within you. I love that. The Holy Spirit unveils, he pulls away the veil so that you can see things not vaguely, but with incredible clarity. And at the end of the passage in verse 15, it says, That's why I say that the divine encourager will receive what is mine and always be ready to reveal it to you. Again, Paul referred to this in Ephesians when he spoke of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Being a ministry where God reveals things to us, gives us a revelation knowing, a revealed knowing of things. Let me read you this from the Amplified Version today. Ephesians 1 verses 16 to 18. I do not cease. This is Paul speaking. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I always pray that the Lord, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory, may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that gives you a deep and personal and intimate insight into the true knowledge of him. For we know the father through the son. And then it says in verse 18, and I pray that the eyes of your heart, your understanding, the very centre and core of your being may be enlightened, flooded with the light by the Holy Spirit, so that you will know, not here, but deep in your heart and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee and confident expectation to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, God's people, and that you will begin to know what the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his active and spiritual power, which is now in you who believe. Can you see what Paul is teaching? That there's a knowing beyond natural knowing, and it's the role of the Holy Spirit, among other roles, to be unveiling truth in your life from God's word and from what he hears said in heaven so that you have an understanding that somebody that doesn't know Christ could never have. You have the best teacher living within you. Again, I could spend a whole meeting on this one subject, but I want to get through all four of these um, things that the Holy Spirit does in the life of a believer. But let's just end with this thought. You have heaven's best teacher and trainer not visiting you in a classroom but living in you and offering you shared life with him the key question for this would be are you allowing him to lean over your shoulder or are you just reading your bible like just another book can i encourage you when you pick up the bible today or tomorrow before you start reading just say holy spirit one who's now present in me Lean over my shoulder like the good teacher and help me to see things that you want me to see in the way that they should be seen. Okay, the third aspect of what the Holy Spirit provides for us by living within us is he is our leader and he's our guide. Again, referring to John 16 verses 13 to 15. Jesus said, however, when he the spirit of truth. Notice it never calls the Holy Spirit it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He's not a vapor. He's not a mist. He's the third person of the Godhead now living and possessing every area of your being. He's the third person of the Godhead. And it says, however, when he, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Isn't that wonderful that the Lord has provided his spirit within our life to guide us and to lead us in the things that we're doing, but also the things yet to come. Are you just making it on your own? Are you just making it up as you go along? Are you just doing things in your own strength and by your own initiative? Stop it. Begin to draw on the fellowship, the sharing of life that you have with the Holy Spirit now. And as you do, he will begin to give you wisdom, not just revelation. Paul said that God gives you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. God will begin to give you wisdom and lead you into ways that your ways wind upwards and never decreasingly. He is now the leadership of God in our lives. And we should be looking to him for all direction, for the way forward. This is what people born of the Spirit do. Romans 8, 14 says, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. I love again what the Passion Translation says. It says the mature children of God, not the infants, the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Don't you love that? The Holy Spirit's now in you and he's giving impulses to lead you on how you should act in situations in your life. We're to be guided by him. Imagine being dropped in a jungle or a maze that it was almost impossible to get out. If you were dropped in a jungle, maybe Borneo, and you were allowed a couple of things, what would you ask for? Some would say water, some would say a good book, some would say cookies. I know different people are at different parts of life. I think the thing I'd ask for is a guide. If you drop me in the middle of a jungle, give me a guide, not just a guide, but a guide who knows his way out of the jungle. Because if you had a guide that didn't know his way out, you'd be no better off. Because you can have provision in the jungle, but I'd want the one who can lead me out of the jungle into the freedom I'm meant to know. You see, the Lord has provided his Holy Spirit to be such a guide in your life. Life can be like a jungle, can't it? Life can be like a maze, but sometimes you're hitting dead ends, hitting dead ends. Stop. Take a moment to ask the Holy Spirit who's in you. What do I need to do here, Lord? Lead me through this situation. I believe that this is a daily reality, isn't it? Sometimes when I'm dealing with people, I need to hear the Holy Spirit say, this is what I want you to do in your response to this person. Well, that's not what I want to do, Lord. Well, it's not about what I want to do. It's now being led by the Spirit because the children of God are now led by the Spirit. You see him leading the disciples in a very natural way. Some of you maybe have never seen this, but actually he led Jesus. The moment after Jesus was baptised in water and the Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove, the heavens were rent, the Spirit of God came upon him and remained with him. Matthew 4 verse 1, it says... That Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, he knew that he could overcome every temptation. But notice the Holy Spirit, the first thing that the Holy Spirit did when he came and remained in Jesus was led him into a time of wilderness to prove who he was with God with him. All right. But often when we read through the book of Acts, we can overlook some of these thoughts. But it clearly says that they were led by the Spirit. Here's one instance, Acts eight twenty nine, speaking of Philip. It says, then the Spirit said to Philip, the Spirit said, what, in a manifest presence? No, in an inner dwelling presence. The Spirit said to Philip, go and chase that chariot. Now, you know the story that a chariot went past with an Ethiopian leader on it. And as it went past, it says that Philip heard the Holy Spirit within him go, go chase that chariot. Imagine that. He just took off running after this chariot. He caught up with a chariot. The man happened to be reading scripture and didn't understand it. So Philip used the spirit of wisdom and revelation to help him to understand. What if Philip had said, no, I'm tired? He wouldn't have been led by the spirit to see this encounter for this man that had huge ramifications that turned into a baptism and a whole lot more. But again, there's many times in the book of Acts that you miss this statement. Acts 13 verse four. It says, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. They were sent out by the spirit. And often in the book of Acts, you read of the early church and the Spirit told them to do this and the Spirit said do this and the Spirit led them to do this. Where does that fit into our world today? In exactly the same way, we need to become sensitive, not just to hosting the presence of God now within us that comes from acknowledging him, but also be sensitive to his promptings. What does that look like when you're walking down the road and suddenly the Lord says, go and tell that person something? or go and give that person some money, or go and see if your neighbour needs help, or suddenly you're sitting there and a person comes to mind, surely you get this, I know I do, and you feel a need to text a person to encourage them. All of those things are actually more to do with the promptings of the Holy Spirit than what you give him credit for. It's not uh, intuition or anything like that, We want to become so sensitive to walking with the Holy Spirit that when he says to us, go chase that chariot, that we say up and we're gone. Why? Because we know the voice of the Spirit. I'm going to do another series soon on being led by the Spirit, knowing the will of God and being led by the Spirit. I'm not going to try and squeeze that into what we're doing today. But we all hear the Holy Spirit. He's not a mute spirit. He's speaking. The question is, are we listening? So as we bring a key question to this role of what he does in our life, the question would obviously be, will we now be sensitive and obedient to his prompting? Will we chase the chariot when he asks us to? Will we go somewhere when he tells us to? There's many examples that we could use in our everyday life. But will you be sensitive to the one who now calls you his temple? The final one that I want to look at today is he is the refiner. And this is key for us to understand so that we can grasp the fullness of the transformation that God intended for us. You know, when we become the Lord, he takes us on to become everything that he says that we are. But there's a process within that. And that process comes from being yielded to the Holy Spirit within you to be the refiner, not just a teacher, not just a helper. Not just the one who guides us and leads us, but the refiner within our life. You see, the Holy Spirit helps us to sort stuff out in our life and get rid of the things that we don't need. The things that we should no longer have living in us because we're not the people we used to be anymore. Things that belong to the old man or the old creation that we once were and things that came from the nature that we once had. The Bible says now in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4, that we are now partakers of God's nature, a divine nature. But when you've lived by an old nature for many years, suddenly habits can form, mentalities and thinkings can develop. The Holy Spirit wants to help you put these things to death if they're not God's will or God's ways within you. A less polite term, Could be he's the executioner. (laughs) It's one way of looking at it. But the Holy Spirit within you not only wants to make you feel warm and fuzzy, makes you want to experience the peace, give you a heavenly language. The list is endless. But he also wants to help you to see him execute things in your life, put to death things in your life that you don't need anymore, that you don't need in the future that God's leading you into And in that sense, he's that refining fire within us, helping us to become free from the things that were attached to the old us, unforgivenesses, perversions. The list could be endless again, couldn't it? Romans 8 verse 12 says, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's no longer to the flesh, to the old way of living that we once knew to live according to that any longer. For if you live according to the flesh, the old nature, the old way that you once knew, you will die. But there's always a good news. There's always Paul always adds a but that brings a better alternative. But if by the spirit, that word's pneuma, it's God's spirit. If by the Holy Spirit, the same spirit living in you, you put to death the misdeeds of the body or the old nature, oh, you will live. So what's this saying to us? Paul is saying the Holy Spirit within you is also the executioner or the one that helps you not to put a cover over, but to mortify and put to death the things that should no longer be a part of your new creation life. That word put to death, again, if you study it in the Greek is mortify, and it means to make, to die, to cause, to die, to, de- to de- destroy, to destroy. And to render extinct. That's what that word mortify means. And that's the word that's used by Paul. He says the Holy Spirit will help you to mortify, to make, to die, to destroy, to render extinct. The things in your life, the ways in your life, the captivities, the bondages, the wrong thinking, the wrong alignments in your life that don't fit with the new creation that God has now caused you to be. He's like the refiner's fire, He purifies our lives as gold. Now, if you ever you see gold being purified, it's heated, it's heated. Dross rise to the surface. The dross is removed. And as the dross is removed, the gold is purified. Now, don't get me wrong. In our stand before the Lord, we are fully justified. We are fully holy. We are fully blameless and we are fully righteous. But sanctification is something that's happened, but it's also an ongoing. And as we live our lives led by the spirit, he helps us to get the dross out of who we are now there's many other things again the key question here is are you allowing him to put stuff on the fire and put things down in your life it's amazing sometimes when you talk to christians it's like they've dealt with certain sins in their life but they have a pet sin they have a pet sin oh that's a pet sin listen the devil wants you to keep that pet sin as a pet Listen, the Holy Spirit wants to kill it. The Holy Spirit wants to take your pet sin around the back of a barn and blow its head off. He wants to execute it. He wants to remove it from your life. He doesn't want you to have any sin that's treated like a pet in your life. He wants you free and free indeed. Now, sorry to any cat owners out there, it could have been a dog, it could have been a budgie, it could have been a parrot. I don't know why I picked on a cat, but we did. Just let the Holy Spirit minister to you if you're hurting right now. All right, it's all good. All right. Now, there are many things that he does in our lives, but the one key agenda, and I want you to catch this in our closing. The one key agenda the Holy Spirit has for living in you is to make you Christ-like. That's the key agenda that the Holy Spirit has for you and for me to make us christ-like to make us like christ what expectation can he have that that's possible well the spirit of god is actually the spirit of christ jesus has placed his his spirit now in you and as you yield to his spirit you'll become like the one whose spirit now resides within which is the spirit of jesus christ powerful verse here in second corinthians chapter three Verses 17 to 18. Now the Lord is spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, freedom. But we all now with unveiled face, that's a married face, an unveiled face is a person now married. We are now the bride of Christ. We now with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We see the glory of the Lord now in us because the Holy Spirit now lives in us are being transformed. Let me read that again so it's in context. But we all now, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. Not a similar image, the same image. It says the same image. And then it says, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So just as by the Spirit of the Lord, yeah, The purpose of the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of Jesus Christ, now living in the life of the believer is to be all of those things, teacher, helper, lead, guide, um, executioner and many, many more. But the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit in you and in me is to create a transformation that produces a Christ likeness. The Bible says that when we see him, we will be like him. Why? because of the work of the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives, not two hours on Sunday. Now, we are to experience this supernatural transformation brought about by an ongoing union, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. That transformation will never happen with a weekly visitation. But Jesus never died for you on the cross to get visiting rights to you. He died on a cross so that his spirit could live in you, and transform you as we walk with him daily and yield our lives to him daily to be empowered and to be led that's when our lives are transformed continually it really is about us waking up tomorrow morning and saying good morning holy spirit welcome to this temple that now belongs to you bought with a price it's now yours lord today be all the things that pastor andy said to me and more once again this is the conversation or this is the terminology of the branch and the vine thing. Now, when we consider the branch and the vine mentioned in John 15, and you know this is one of my signature messages and I have to preach it every two or three weeks, it's just a part of who I am. We're not talking of a vague connection. We're talking of a living connection, a continued connection between the branch of who we are and the vine of who he is. Now, think about that with any tree, whether it's an apple, a pear, Any kind of tree, the life that's in the vine becomes the life that's in the branch and the life that's within the branch produces the fruit of the tree. This is an unbroken fellowship that the Lord desires with you and with me. Not visiting on Sunday or at Connect Group on Wednesday, but an ongoing unbroken sharing of life. What a privilege that the Lord would allow us to have shared life with his spirit. Okay. How do we sum these things up today? It's summed up by what Jesus taught in the vine and the branch teaching in John 15. But we're to have a daily walk with the Holy Spirit. Now we've spoken about the Holy Spirit sent over the last couple of weeks, the coming of the Holy Spirit last week about hosting the indwelling of the Spirit. Today, let's finish by saying, come on, let's commit to having a daily walk with the Holy Spirit where we're accessing every divine resource he provides within us to know if you read the bible let him be the teacher if you're doing something you don't think you can do let him be the helper all of these different aspects i wish i had time to go through many more but those four will give you enough homework to work on this week as we remain in him then his remaining presence. Isn't that what Jesus taught in John 15? We remain in him, he remains in us. It's that remaining presence. I'm not talking of the omnipresence of God, equally powerful in everything at one moment, in every moment, or the manifest presence of God, that moment in meetings where he makes his presence known. I'm talking about his indwelling presence, Christ in you today, the hope of glory. As we yield and allow his spirit to lead us, nothing is impossible. So many other things we could have spoken of today, but I believe the things that we've spoken of will give you enough ground to be able to experience new things in the Lord this week. We could have spoken of how a Holy Spirit causes us to forgive when we can't. We could have spoken of how he supercharges our prayer life and even provides His very own prayer language for us to use so that all of our prayers are effective. Again, I'm not even going to begin to talk about the heavenly language that comes with the indwelling of the spirit. We will come back to that another time because it's very, very important that actually the Bible says when you don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit teaches you and causes you to pray as you should. And we're speaking of this heavenly language, this prayer life that the Holy Spirit provides for us to know. We could also talk about how he empowers us and enables us to do things that we could never do before. The Bible says again of Paul that his declaration was, oh, I can now do all things. He wasn't arrogant in his own confidence, but he was confident in the indwelling of the spirit within him, because his next statement was, through Christ, who strengthens me or gives me strength. It all starts with good morning. It all starts by us acknowledging that God isn't a thousand miles away today. If you've believed in him, He sealed you with his spirit. If you've asked his Holy Spirit to fill you, then he has filled your life to be all of the things we've spoken of today and so much more. My prayer for you this week is that you would enjoy the presence of God in your life, that you wouldn't wait for a meeting to start so that you could encounter the manifold presence, but you would use this time of lockdown that's remaining to drill in and discover what it is to have a shared life fellowship with God's Holy Spirit now living in you. Next week, we're going to look at how the Holy Spirit, when he finds home in your life, Wants to do things through your life to benefit others. This is going to be exciting, so make sure you come back next week. Because the Holy Spirit is in you for you, but he's on you for others. And he has an agenda, you see, to be working through your life, not just to give you the best life you ever imagined, but to touch the lives of others through the one that you now live for him. If you're watching today and you've never given your life to Jesus... We're going to pray again two prayers today. The first one is for anyone that's never received Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. Just when I say amen at the end, say amen if that's you and you're watching today. Heavenly Father, we thank you today. We thank you today for Jesus who died on the cross for our sins. He died for us and he died as us. Thank you that he caused us to have a new birth and a new beginning. We receive that salvation that comes through Christ alone. Thank you that he died for me. My life is now yours. I receive you, Lord Jesus, into my life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I'm going to pray one more prayer in a moment for believers. But if you prayed that prayer today... We want you to contact us at, andy at Family.church. Let us know if you've just given your life to Jesus or given your life back to God because you've been away from him. But now I want to end this one today like we have each of the other weeks by just praying that you would experience the filling of the Holy Spirit afresh in your life today. So turn your hearts towards heaven and realise the one who is with you is the one that's releasing his life within you. Father, I pray today. For every believer that's watching this live and those who are watching on catch up. Thank you that their lives are now born again by your spirit. But their lives are also appointed to know the fellowship and the filling of your spirit. Father I pray today for every believer that's watching this. I pray for every person that's extending their heart towards you right now. Let their lives be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let it be as that moment when Paul laid his hands upon those in Ephesus. Let your Holy Spirit come through the airwaves and through the signals and burst out in a manifest and introductory way within the lives of people watching this. Let your heart be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let every room in your life, let the windows be opened and let the light of his glory shine in every part of who you are. Be filled with the Holy Spirit in Jesus name. Amen.